Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. John Reese has worked with numerous filmmakers, companies, and organizations that are looking to connect with audiences and distribute their work in the digital landscape. John Reese invented the concept of the Producer of Marketing and Distribution, PMD, which has become a new crew position in independent film. He's worked with and consulted for Paramount Pictures, Screen Australia, Film Independent, Creative Scotland, the South Australian Film Corporation, and numerous film schools and festivals. John is the year-round distribution and marketing lab leader at the IFP Filmmaker Labs, and he has a new company named Eight Above for production, marketing, and distribution. And Carol, I understand John Reese has helped past Roy Dean Grant winners as well, right? Exactly, Claire. John helped Sabine Eljamail with her beautiful film, Zapped. Thank you, John, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me again. I, I oh, love yeah. coming on your show. Oh, thank you. We do, too, because you have so much important information. Now, I, first, I want to congratulate you on your new company, Eight Above. And mm-hmm. today, we want to learn more about your company and how it helps mm-hmm. filmmakers with production, distribution, and marketing. So let's start with uh, how you help people with marketing their films. Yeah, so basically what I do is um, I help people define what their goals are. And many filmmakers, you know, um, feel like, oh, I want to get into Sundance or I want a, you know, great festival run or I want theatrical distribution. None of the None of those are goals um, in, in how I view what a goal is. Those are tools towards an end. So <clears throat> goals meaning, you know, do, is your primary goal, <clears throat> excuse me, to make money? Is it to <clears throat> change the world? Is it to launch your career? And each of those have different paths for your film um, or, would, or would require different paths from your film. The other thing I talk to people about is, like, understanding who their audience is, how to connect with their audience you know, and what are the different pathways for that? So it's, you know, the, the initial part of it is um, creating a overall blueprint strategy for what the distribution of marketing for the film, you know, can and should be. Um, yeah. Great. And so in, okay, terms well, of the, in terms of the marketing, a lot of what we do is, you know, related to organizational outreach, email campaigns, website, content, um, social media and social media advertising, et cetera. All right. Well, let's let's start. <clears throat> let's say that your goal is to make money. That would be you, you would then put them on a different course than if their goal was to launch a career, right? Well, there's different. Like the the most obvious example is like <laughs> if someone wants a theatrical release, you know, and is the theatrical release going to might if they're 
if they have a sense that they're going to get good reviews, it might warrant um, really potentially putting the effort and energy into a theatrical release or if there's other reasons that a theatrical release might, you know, garner and that that can be very helpful in career launch, you know, but it's going to cost money so that it might, there might be, say, a deal on the table that doesn't have a theatrical release but gives a bigger minimum guarantee or there's some more money or other opportunities, some other things um, possible that that might argue against doing a theatrical, for instance, which might be more career focused. So that, that's, that's where it kind of comes into consideration. Yeah. Okay. Um, so first of all, people have to define their goals. Um, let's just say that they, they really want to um, change the world. I get a lot mm-hmm. of documentaries that do that. Mm-hmm. And you work mm-hmm. with both documentaries and features, right? Yeah, I do. Yes. I probably, yes, I work with both, both documentaries and features. We well, there's some good features that what? want to change the world too, right? That's true. And a lot of the techniques that documentaries would use would be the same things that, um, I mean, a lot of the techniques that documentaries use would be the same things that feature films would then use. Right. So if someone wanted to change the world, then you would uh, set them on a path and, and create an outline for what they're supposed to do. And then they, they work with you on an ongoing basis because this has to take months, right, to achieve yeah. these goals. So some filmmakers come to me for, you know, consultation and in, in developing a strategy and kind of figuring out kind of like a blueprint Um some filmmakers also come to me when they have different options on the table and they're kind of like deciding between the two of them. But then there's some filmmakers who start with, come with me and we start working on a strategy and I, you know, and then that develops into a longer term relationship of, you know, several, usually of at least several months, um, sometimes longer. Last year I worked on a film that was, it took an entire year. Um, and pretty much took was pretty much the only thing I was working on during that entire year, and so, but that's pretty much the extreme. I don't think I'll be doing that again anytime soon. And um, I usually work on several kind of longer-term projects at the same time, and a variety of short-term projects all at the same time. Well, what would be a short-term project, John? Those would be the ones where I would do what I call as an initial consultation in which I watch the film, and then it involves two hours of consultation, and the, the and it's broken up into different, as, however the client, whatever works best for the client. Usually the first call is about half an hour, 45 minutes, where we go over, you know, where, where the film's at, like what the film, what the best path is for the film. We go through goals, audience, how to connect with the audience, what the different distribution options are you know, festival strategy, et cetera. And then often the filmmakers will go off and work, you know, on their own for a while. Then they'll need a check-in. Hey, John, like, what do you think about this? And then we'll have another 15-minute call. Then they might go off for a little while and then come back for a half hour. You know, I might write some emails. Like, some of the times, like, I'll, if they're doing query emails on their own, like, I'll review that. I'll review their distribution and marketing plans, the things that they're using to submit to festivals, I'll make, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work on those. I've done that for a number of your clients, actually, Carol, um, where they have distribution and marketing plans that they've started in your class and then I, you know, um, or in your workshop, and then I, you know, help hone, hone those, um, those plans. Oh, yes. I've got to say, I saw what you did with um, 
<clears throat> one of my filmmakers, um, Patrice. That was mm -hmm. brilliant. I mean, I thought I had a good plan. I was really proud of it. But, wow, <laughs> you turned it into something really super. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, of course. That's, that's great. It really became a sales pitch, you know. Uh-huh. <clears throat> okay, and that's so why, you know, go this ahead. This is really important to know because a lot of people – are not aware that they can just hire you for a few hours and get a consult and you'll watch the film. I think this is mm -hmm. a, this is fabulous because mm -hmm. too many people get to the end, don't know mm -hmm. what to do. A distributor yeah. pops up and says, oh, I'm printing my brochure in two weeks. Do you want to sign? You've got to sign now. And they force them into signing quickly and bang, they've lost all their rights before they've really yeah, done that's... an analysis. <laughs> Call me before you do that, <laughs> but um, but especially you know it's best to you know I generally prefer to work. Generally, people come to me in somewhere in the post production process after usually somewhere between rough cut and fine cut, and that's usually the best place to come in. You know, I do start working with some filmmakers earlier than that, um, uh -huh. but usually that but that's less common, and sometimes that's you know just kind of like making because people are pretty savvy about you know, what they should be doing, you know, in advance generally, you know, it's not always the case. Um, and, um, and it's usually, you know, if possible, it's good to get involved at the very beginning um, in terms of like helping advise people because sometimes people are releasing way too much content too early or they're not doing things strategically or they start a social media campaign and then stop it for quite some time. And those are kind of things that you probably shouldn't be doing. Um, but generally people come to me, you know, around, and I prefer people come to me in the rough cut to between rough cut and fine cut. And I mean, I prefer people come to me then as opposed to coming to me, you know, when they've already premiered in their first film festival, you know, or, and then they've made a mistake doing that, or they've turned down a film festival that maybe they should have kept or, you know, so, um, you know, or God forbid they're, they just signed a distribution deal and they're trying to get out of it. And that's, you know, very difficult. It is difficult. And that's where I get involved. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a magic wand. I wish I did. But, mm -hmm. and I've even talked to Robert Siegel about setting up, don't sign a contract unless there is a, a dollar amount that if you don't get a certain dollar amount within two years, you can get out. Mm -hmm. And Robert says, yeah, exactly. they won't do it. They're never going to sign it, Carol. They'll walk away. Mm -hmm. It depends on the company and depends on the kind of company. <laughs> Many foreign sales companies will do deals like that. Distributors, it's a little tougher, but, you know, but it, then it depends, you know, it's all, you know, the, one of my mantras is that every film is different and because every, because every film is different, every filmmaker is different, you know, the, the combination of goals, audience, film, resources are all so different that it's, it's very bespoke. It's like there's, it's not a cookie cutter solution for any, you know, for any particular film. Oh, thank you. I mean, that's brilliant. That's exactly how you have to look at it because what works for one filmmaker may not work for another. It's just a totally yeah. unique situation here. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, let me ask you, cause you've said some very interesting things here. F uh, film festivals. I have some, someone, just recently asking me, what can I help her do with a film festival strategy? So I sent her to Michael Weesey to get a book, but I, I mm -hmm. didn't know. Uh, you could you take someone. Her, 
you can send her to me sure. as well. Okay. Great. Exactly. And you, in other words, you could help her uh, write emails to, to get in or uh, give her an outline of what to do? Yeah, I mean, there's certain strategies. I mean, more of it, you know, being strategic about, like, what makes sense for your film, applying to a variety of different kinds of festivals, you know, not just getting hung up on the top for film festivals and then waiting a year and then going, oh, I better apply to other festivals now, and then your film's kind of old by then, you know, things, you know, there's a, you know, there's definitely a strategy that's involved. And um, so that's, that's, and then there's a lot of times filmmakers don't think of certain festivals, you know, that they should be thinking of, you know, and um, so that's, you know, so it's, it's a lot of that, you know, and because it's, it's generally, most filmmakers generally still are launching their films at festivals, and that's important for the life of your film and how you do that. But the other thing is, is I also view festivals as being the beginning of your distribution process. Like you're in distribution when you're in festivals, um, whether you know it or not. And so you need to be thinking intelligently about how your festivals are going to wrap into the rest of your distribution plan so that you're not kind of like, you know, I occasionally get filmmakers, okay, well, we did like, you know, 20 film festivals over the last year. Now what do we do? And it's kind of like, well, you know, it's better if you start thinking strategically of that in the beginning so that you can kind of tie your festivals into the rest of what you're doing with the film besides just making a sale, you know, and, um, and because that, you know, that happens for some films, but it, ha- it still doesn't happen for the vast majority of films, like a outright sale, you know, with a, you know, where everything is taking, you know, where there's a great MG and, you know, um, where all your goals are satisfied. Let, let me put it that way. Um, those are very unlike, you know, that's very uncommon. So, well, so let's you have talk to, about you definitely the have sale. to plan for, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Let's talk about sales because I've been getting a lot of, of uh, shocking news about people selling things to Netflix, for example. Mm-hmm. I understand that Netflix is offering a thousand dollars a minute for a finished doc with an A-list actor either attached inside or as a narrator. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Um, and that Hulu paid twenty three thousand, no twenty five thousand, and Netflix paid twenty three thousand for features recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they used to pay less. <laughs> At times, oh, like way yeah. in the beginning, they would pay less. But that was a non-exclusive deal, and these are most likely exclusive deals. And, yeah, and that's where, you know, that's also, again, where goals come into consideration because, you know, almost Netflix releases almost become like the replacement for a theatrical for many filmmakers. Like, what's your goal? Like, oh, I want to be on Netflix. Okay, well, if that's important for you to say that you're on Netflix to help your career in a sense that your first film is a Netflix film, maybe that's a consideration. But yeah, there's film has been dealing with for quite some time, ever since the beginning of the digital revolution of a really over glut of content and limited, you know, and kind of increasing, but much smaller demand than in relationship to the amount of content. So you have, in supply, and, and that just means that prices are going to be lower. So it, it's 
kind of tough out there for independent filmmakers in general in terms of the best way to carve a path. And um, so, um, and the other aspect is, is that a lot of these platforms are turning to making their own original content as opposed to, which tend to be more series as opposed to buying one-off features. So it does make it, you know, and those are, sales that are, those are figures that are out there. There are, you can sell your film for net to Netflix for more as well. I mean, there's bigger deals as well. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, all over the map in a sense. And, um, you know, there is still, um, hang on a second. Um, let's see. I just want to turn off my ringer here. And um, so, that's why I really, that's why it's really important to be strategic and to think about, you know, what your options are and to have a plan A and a plan B. Um, and because there's a lot of different ways that sales are happening these days and there is still money in the transactional market, although that's reduced, you know, and now as you, you know, I think you mentioned one of your, that you want to potentially talk about that there's an emerging, you know, um, ad supported market coming up that is actually is you know resulting in increasing revenue so yes we want to discuss that but let's go back to netflix because netflix seems to become the king right now even with amazon out there netflix is uh, the go-to place everyone seems to want to get their film on there so how do you get netflix to consider your film do you know how that's done well essentially through either through essentially through a sales agent you know, it's hard to do it without going through a sales agent. So um, it's, they don't really take independent submissions. So you need someone on your team that, you know, and I, I don't really do, I do some sales, but I don't, I'm not a sales agent necessarily. Um, I do know sales agents and sometimes help connect my filmmakers that I work with, with certain sales agents. Um, but it's not, you know, that's, that's a special thing. And, and the thing is, the, the bigger thing I would say is that your plan should not be, I want to get my film on Netflix. Like, that's not why you need a plan that's more robust than that. It's similar. To, having that as your plan is similar to saying, my plan is that I'm going to get into Sundance and someone's going to buy my film. You know, that's, that's not a plan. So that's, that's basically looking at the outlier, the, the, the kind of outliers that happen for films and uh-huh. saying that I'm def- that's definitely happening to me. Um, and even with films where everyone feels like, oh, this should be in Sundance and this should make a big sale, oftentimes that doesn't happen you know, and, um, or, you know, on a bigger regular, on a bigger basis than not. And that's part of the reason that Sundance set up their artist services, which then became their creative distribution initiative is because they also realized that many of the films that were in the fest in their festival weren't getting distribution. So, and we're just sitting on the shelf and those are films that are in Sundance. So that's why you have to be a lot more strategic slash entrepreneurial about your project and it's also why you know it's you need to save something in the tank not just monetarily but also energetically for the distribution and marketing of your film and that's where it's and i feel it's something i wrote in my book and i feel like it's still a truism 
that uh, 50%, basically it's the, what I call the new 50-50, is that 50% of your time and money and effort should go into making the film and 50% should go into, you know, connecting that film to an audience. And while that's not hard and fast rule, sometimes it'll be 70-30 one way, or sometimes filmmakers will, there will be some filmmakers who spend 70% of their effort in getting their film out into the world. Um, but, you know, as far as an average, I would say that that's average. It's, it's a little difficult to kind of, you know, it's, it was tough 10 years ago, and I believe it still is tough, to come into the world or finish a film and then go, okay, I'm done with my film. I want someone to take care of it because I'm moving on. And that's being your only, your only path. That's, that's a harder path to, to that's, that's not a path that happens for, you know, I would even say 50% of films. I mean, chances are you're going to be with your film and, you know, helping nurture it into the world. Exactly. And filmmakers don't realize that this is all going to fall on them. So good for you to teach this. I really appreciate that. Um, 50%, uh, it, let's say you're, you save something for DMN, for distribution and marketing mm-hmm. of your films. 50% uh, for the, to make the film and 50% of the time to connect uh, and find yeah. your audience. Well, now what do you think about um, – this whole concept of uh, community screenings and going to uh, conventions and being mm-hmm. there and screening your film. Well, let's say you, you have a film. It could be a doc or a feature that had Alzheimer's in it or cancer in mm-hmm. it and, mm-hmm. uh, and selling downloads or selling DVDs that way. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, I wouldn't necessarily say you're going to a convention and selling downloads. It depends on where you're at in the distribution process, but I do say, I do feel that for, you know, many films out there, community screenings are, uh, and, and conferences are a great way to connect with an audience and, you know, create uh, a viable distribution path for your film. And, um, you know, it's not for every film, but it's for, um, but there's many films out there that can benefit. And you might find yourself going to conferences even during the production and post-production part of your film and in order to connect with people, build relationships with organizations, find partners. And then you might be going to conferences when you're in your community screening phase of your campaign as part of, in terms of either screening the film or giving a talk and telling the people that there that it's available for screening. Maybe you might even have a booth there, you know, to promote the film to that audience. And, you know, you can have a community screening campaign that can go on for six months to a year for some films, you know, before you enter the VOD marketplace. And it can be a great way to build an audience and to build awareness and, you know, and even make some money. And even make some money, which is the most important thing for filmmakers, because that is so necessary. I mean, they put so much love and energy and time and and the prices they're being paid are just unfair. So mm-hmm. you're right. Um, I have one man now who's in Florida, and he did a film about Alzheimer's. And he's a good salesman, though. This is the other side of it. Filmmakers have to mm-hmm. read some sales books, John. They have to become right. a salesperson on top of all the other skills. 
because he's been able to uh, go to uh, conventions and go talk to people. He has funeral homes. It's an Alzheimer's film, so he has funeral homes supporting him, giving him monthly money to go out and screen the film in communities. He has the Alzheimer's Association. He has other uh, associations that are paying him to screen the film. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's great. only because he's out there saying, here's yeah, my film exactly. and selling it. And he uh, he may have a screening and invite some of these uh, potential uh, investors or donors. And what he does is he feeds them and he treats them like royalty. He puts out mm-hmm. some money, but uh, it's that it, it's just so generous of him. And people love him. They love the film. It's full of heart. Mm-hmm. And then it benefits him for long-term exposure, is what I'm finding. Mm-hmm. Cool. That sounds great. Smart. There's so that's one way. Go, like, I'm not going to devote a year of my life to doing that. And that's where it comes down to yes. what your goals are. So, you know, and why you made your film. And, you know, it, it does surprise me when you talk to filmmakers who have made their films for three to five, six years and then immediately want to move on to something else. And I get it, you know, because it's like you've been with this, you're burned out, et cetera. But, um, you know, but it's you want to think about like in the IST lab, we always use the example of an orphanage and like this film is your baby. And do you want to, you know, you're you're. You know, do you, everyone wants their child to go to the best school and go to, you know, Harvard and, you know, have a wonderful career, you know, but a lot of these deals that people would potentially be signing are like the worst kinds of orphanages where your child's going to get locked <laughs> in a closet and never seen again. That is wonderful. I love it. Yes. Well, tell us about the, not to the say land. There are there are plenty of distributors out there that are good, though. You know that you know not all distributors are you know you know going to do that, and many distributors don't want to you know sign films that they don't feel like they can do something with. So, yes, there are some good distributors. The thing is <clears throat> to find it <clears throat> because you've been so busy making a film for five years, you don't know who distributors are. Right. Right, exactly. <clears throat> well, people rave about you at the IFP Labs in New York. So tell us mm-hmm. what goes on there. So the IFP Lab is a year-long lab there that's broken up into um, three components. So there's a kind of a rough cut and distribution and marketing prep component in like late spring, early summer, or in spring, summer. Um, and then that they select 10 documentaries each year and 10 narrative films. So the, the first session is where the docs and narratives are separate, you know, have separate workshops. Um, and then there's a second component, which each of the films is part of the, um, IFP week, independent filmmakers week in, in, in September, um, in New York city where they meet with, you know, they, it basically it's, there's a lot of one-on-one meetings that are set up with distribution companies, film festivals, et cetera. And then um, the third part is where I'm heading next week, which is the last part of the, of the series, which focuses on distribution and marketing exclusively. And the filmmakers prepare a marketing and distribution plan and present that to the rest of the group plus experts 
and they're critiqued. And plus, we also do some sessions, like I'm doing a session with um, Eric Sloss from Synetic and I are doing, I've done the session for years now called the anatomy of a deal, where you just basically take a distribution deal and look at all the basic terms and kind of have to have an, and have an understanding of what there are and what to look out for. And so this is the first year Eric and I are doing that together, which I'm really looking forward to. It should be fun. So the anatomy of the deal, so you can understand all the terms. So you you know there are going to be certain clauses in there, and you break that down and yeah. explain it? Yeah. That's yeah, like worth How long is it? What's the territory? What are the rights? You know, um, what can you try to bargain for? Like, what are you trying to exclude? All those different kinds of things. Different kinds of, you know, contingent versus guaranteed compensation, all that. Yeah. Guaranteed compensation. That'd be wonderful. Uh, well, that's the, well, that's like a minimum guarantee is would be your, you know, if there's a, there's an advance that would be guaranteed compensation. Contingent compensation is dependent on sales basically. So. Right. Uh, so this is really important. Uh, that's great. I didn't know it was so encompassing. So how do people yeah, get into say, that? Oh, people apply to it. You'll see like keep an eye out for IFP and the, I mean, you'll see it uh, if you follow my, me on social media. You know, I'll post when the applications are due. Um, you can also follow IFP. Um, and um, so, and the applications are for next year's cycle are, I think, start around January, February in that range, somewhere in that realm. And um, the thing is, is, it's only for first-time filmmakers. So you have to be a first-time filmmaker to apply. I see. Well, this is really beneficial because I, I know of some people that uh, are great teachers in some of the top mm-hmm. film schools that go and help with the IFP mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. have some of the top people in the industry there, right? Yeah, yeah. We like to think so. <laughs> oh, good. That's great. Well, um, okay, so now let's let's go back um to, you're doing more production now. Is that what's going on with uh, well, I, Eight I Above? I, yeah, it's a little bit like I've always done production, you know, even while I was doing, you know, doing hybrid cinema in my previous company. Um, I've always been involved, but I'm doing a little bit more of it now, even though, you know, it's probably it's just making my life a little busier. <laughs> um, right. I think the consulting's really slowed down at all. And um, one of the things is I've been working with this Native American director for the last year. Um, I worked on his film, short film, Sweetheart Dancers, that we actually placed on um, a platform named Topic and got also educational distribution through documentary educational resources. Um, and then we also just finished, or we're in the process, we haven't finished, we're in the process of finishing um, a short film um, for American Masters. And it's part of their, it's a new initiative that they're doing called Masters in the Making. And so um, we're, you know, that will be coming out sometime next year. We're in final stages of post-production on that. And then I'm also developing a feature documentary for myself to direct. So we're actually working on, you know, we've done some shooting, working on developing a sizzle reel for financing, done a deck, et cetera. So, I mean, that's one of the things I think I really bring to filmmakers is that, you know, I also understand the process of making films and, you know, I know what it's like to be on the other end. You know, it's like, I'm not just approaching it from like, well, this is the way it is and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I've lived through every, you know, 
most of the things that <laughs> filmmakers are going through. Yeah. What can you tell us about the feature doctor working on? Oh, it's about this performance artist, uh, Mark Pauline, who does these kind of explosive mayhem-infused um, performances with large remote-controlled robots. And um, he's been doing it for quite some time. I actually did some work with him back in the 80s and made a short film with him that was in Sundance in Berlin and New Directors and was just in a retrospective in, um, in Berlin. And so um, originally I was brought on board to help produce the film and then the director kind of fell out. And so I go, well, why don't, you know, maybe this is the film project I should be directing. So I've been, you know, developing it for a little while now and, you know, see what happens. Oh, well, this would be an international project. That could go everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. That's where we're hoping. <laughs> even, again, even China might like that. that. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, we'd like to think. And um, so it's, you know, because part of it deals with um, the you know, what's hap- what is our relationship to the machines that we create. You know, and the the robots that we're creating maybe aren't you know the the best things for us. A lot of what his his mantra is that you know he likes to take industrial and military equipment and make it impractical, um, and to create you know and kind of to kind of pull off the veneer and let people kind of see. And so um, that's that's kind of like his his reason for being, you know, for the work that he, one of the reasons for the work that he does. And so that's pretty, you know, it's fascinating to me. It is. That could be really fascinating to watch all that happen. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. um, now let's get back to filmmakers and talk about uh, what can filmmakers do before they come to you to handle their distribution strategies? What can they do while they're still making the film that would help them during yeah, distribution? Well the, well, the best thing that they can do is collect good assets, um, collect um, horizontal and vertical photos to use, you know, for social media later. You know, if they are, if they have a taste for social media, they can even start developing, you know, a social media presence now. They should definitely be developing a social media presence for themselves as filmmakers. Um, and then kind of connecting part of what I do with filmmakers early on in the process is I, you know, I have an outreach spreadsheet, kind of like a blank that I walk people through and, and to start collecting who, you know, start thinking about who their audience is, researching who their audience is, and especially, you know, even connecting with their audience, maybe not even on social media, but at least organizationally and having a sense of who, who is going to want to engage with their film so that by the time they, you know, hit distribution, they have already done a fair amount of at least research, um, if not some of that early connecting. Um, The one thing I would say is that if people don't like social media and don't think they're going to keep up with it, then I would kind of wait on that until it's needed because you don't want to start social media and then stop it for some time because that doesn't really do you any good. Um, so those are some of the things that they should be kind of considering and thinking about, you know, early in the process. Yes. Um, I have seen some people do quite well with crowdfunding because they Mm -hmm. have built up a a network through Facebook Mm -hmm. and through their emails. And then, uh, by 
crowdfunding and getting on or and getting the subject of the film on if it is a person so that person can communicate with the audience during the crowdfunding that really can bring in the money mm-hmm. yeah so crowdfunding is great and it's also it's it's great for you know besides the money it's also good for building and developing your audience but you have to realize that you should commit to can keep in connection with that audience, you know, once you start it. Um, one of the films that I worked on recently was a film called Desolation Center. Um, and that's a film that I was involved from the, pretty much from the very beginning. I, I'm a consulting producer on the project. Um, and so I helped with production and also with the distribution and marketing. And they were great in terms of how they ran their crowdfund campaign and connecting with the audience and then kept that connection going all the way through and they're still doing it now. So they've been keeping that, that they've been really doing really excellent in you know, how they've, and it's paid off for them in, in many respects. Um, and that, that's an example. I mean, they're like in the middle of a theatrical release that will probably end up hitting 50 cities, you know, and then wow. they're coming out and yeah. And then they're going to be coming out on um, VOD and, you know, they, they might, you know, they're working on a broadcast now and they're going to be coming out probably in the spring, um, spring, summer on, on home video. On home video. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's get yeah, into and that. Potentially uh, a broadcast before then. A broadcast. My gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> They've really put their time and energy into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exactly. Well, what do you think is going on with this uh, new ad, uh, ad-centered VOD? Because I went to sign up for Hulu, and I had my choice. I could have it with advertisement for half price or without. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it's, do you think that is coming into the future? Is that what we're going to be looking at, ads yeah. coming back? Yeah, I think so. I think it's... I mean, already I've been talking to some distributors and, you know, they're, they're seeing a lot of, you know, revenue coming in from ad supported, like Tubi is like one of the big channels. And I think what hap- what's going to happen with all these streaming services charging and cable, you know, people still pay for cable and, you know, there's many people cutting the cord, but then, you know, you're going to be paying some fee for, access to basic television, then you're paying, then you have Netflix, Hulu, Apple Plus, um, um, Disney Plus, you have, um, CB, you know, HBO, Showtime, there's all these different subscriptions. And at a certain point, people have a limited budget, you know, and they're not going to subscribe to everything, but they're still going to want to see content. And so that's where there's a lot of content that's available on these ad-supported platforms and people are going to have some combination of some subscription services that they use and some ad supported services that they use to see the things that they can't get on other services. Well, what does that mean to the filmmaker? If the filmmaker makes a deal with Hulu, will they share some of that um, Uh ad revenue with them? Yeah, that's how it's, that's how it's, that's how it's um, set up is that you get it's a revenue share and each and different um, and different platforms have different calculations for that. So, and, and I think it depends on the, you know, the strength of the, I think the, the, the rates that you get paid also depends on the strength of the content as well. I mean, if they want, 
if there's certain content they want really desperately, the platforms are going to pay a little a bit better. So, um, but you know, the the anecdotal information that I've been getting so far is that people can make a decent chunk of change off of these ad-supported platforms. Oh, that's good. Well, which wasn't do, the case a number of years ago. Okay. So the What's interesting is, is that it's it's yeah. basically similar to broadcast. And it's a way that advertisers, because you can't, it's very difficult to, you can't, you know, um, DVR this, at least not yet. So you can't, there's no real way to get around the commercials. If you're watching a movie, you have to sit through the commercials like the old, old days of broadcast before DVRs or before TiVo was invented. You just have to, you know, figure out something else to do during those 30 seconds, minute, two minutes of advertising. Oh my gosh, that's that's really going backwards. It's amazing. Um, well, if they take a, a deal like that, do they still get an upfront down payment as well as that? Ongoing? Not always. There's rare. There aren't wow. that many. There's many. There's there's not a lot of VOD distributors that, unless your films like in some kind of bidding war kind of situation or prominent festival that are that's going to give you an advance for for VOD, you know, um, and, uh, I mean, it's possible it does happen, but it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's what happens all the time. Like oftentimes you're basically, you're essentially on a rev share basis and, um, you know, and what you're often trying to do is to make sure that you're not paying up front for encoding costs as well, because there are some distributors who are good distributors who will charge you to encode your film straight off the bat. Others, won't generally won't charge you straight off the bat, but we'll take it off the back end, you know, so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, um, do the dis- distributors, do they pay more attention if you come in with 10,000 or better on Facebook or if you really have a good social media? Yeah, I mean, that's helpful because they know that you've connected with your audience and, you know, they know that you're going to be a partner that they can work with in terms of reaching that audience. I mean, the better distributors, not the better, like the better independent distributors that are like working with filmmakers really want like a collaborative relationship with the filmmakers and really want filmmakers to be proactive in terms of getting the film, helping get the films out into the world. So this takes us all the way back to what you said in the very beginning, which is know your goals, know where where you want to go and what you're, what you want to get out of your film and start building, finding your audience, building a rapport and maintaining it during Mm -hmm. the production so that when you are ready to distribute, you have your audience and you are stronger in the negotiations. Is that it? Or at least have a, at least have a core audience going, you know, have some sort of core audience that you can then expand upon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit different. Like the one thing that social advertising has changed in this is that it's not as critical as in the past to like really build up a social media audience in advance of the film coming out. Um, If you have a couple of thousand people on Facebook that are really true, truly engaged people, that will be enough to at least be able to help target your social media advertising. Um, you know, more is better. Like if you have five to 10,000 people, that's great. Or more, that's, that's excellent. 
um, and more helpful. Um, but, you know, still these days that, and I also recommend as you're developing your audience that you actually use paid advertising, that it's very difficult to just do a campaign purely organically um, because Facebook, which is the main platform and Instagram in terms of this, are mainly um, won't let you connect with your audience unless you pay them. Which sucks, right. You know. I know. <laughs> well, I would think even after you sold your film and it was on, let's say it was on an ad distributed VOD or someplace where you were getting a decent revenue share, it might behoove you to advertise your film to drive people. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yes, most definitely. So even yes, though you have course. distribution, you're still promoting yes. and advertising to drive people. Yes. Right. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, this is wonderful. Well, uh, just a couple more questions because I really appreciate your time. But I want to know what do you see for the expansion of the film industry in the 2020 and 21? Well, I think it's a lot of, you know, original content that's being created by more and more platforms. I think there's going to be more and more, you know, I think it's, you know, I think these platforms are still going to need to buy original content. You know, one of the things about um, Netflix, these other companies started these other streaming platforms is that Netflix is losing a lot of content to these other streaming platforms, which hopefully they can't make up completely with their own in-house production so that then they're going to need to acquire more content. So that's a hopeful situation. Um, and, um, and I would be, you know, is to, you know, I think those are the main two things that you're going to see more and more, um, you know, you're going to see how these large subscription platforms play out. And then you're going to see more and more a rise of, um, of ad supported, um, VOD coming in and helping to sustain some of the revenues. So. Um, but I think it's definitely, you know, there's, there's certain things that change a lot in terms of these things that we've just spoken about, but there's certain things that I think stay the same in terms of, like, what are your goals? Who's your audience? How are you going to connect with your audience? And, um, and I think it's still as important as it was 10 years ago when I started saying this, that it's really important for you to understand who your audience is, um, at least in terms of, if, you know, hopefully as you start making your project, but also, definitely, if you haven't done it in advance, you definitely want to be knowing who that audience is, you know, before you go into distribution. Absolutely. Before you go into distribution, because you've got to, that's a selling point in the distribution. I know who the audience is, and this is how I reach them, I, I would think, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, are there so, any... Um, um, platforms that you recommend for uh, your own distribution, like Tug or Gather or any of those? You know, I think there's, it, there's a lot of platforms that are great out there. It all depends on what you're trying to do and, you know, you know who and what you're trying to accomplish and how you're trying to accomplish it. So there's like a variety. One of the things is that there's more tools you know, still than there ever were out there for filmmakers. So there's a lot of choice in terms of um, different options. So I'm helping a filmmaker now figure out 
how they're going to do. It's a film that's had already like 400 community screenings with another couple hundred scheduled, but they want to do a big um, week. Um, in fact, right after I get off the phone with you, I'm having a conference call, but they want to have, um, there's a thematic week in April for their film. And um, it's, it's about, the, it's called the week of the young child and um, their films about early childhood education. So they want to do a big theatrical, we're, we're wondering how much theatrical, they want to do a big push to push out the, the, in advance of pushing out their VOD release. And so we're talking to Tug and a number of other companies as far as like what's the best way to do that. Um, anywhere from, Pug to, from Tug to traditional bookers to a distribution company. And so like what's, what's going to be the best path forward to, you know, what's going to make sense for the filmmaker's goals so what's going to make sense for their audience, for their partners, and what's going to, um, and, um, you know, all within the particular circumstances that they're working in and all in combination with what their resources are. So you have, that's another factor that you have to weigh in here is like, what are the resources that you have for distribution and marketing? Um, it, not just time, but also monetary, you know, that it's not, distribution marketing is not, unfortunately, just about making money on your film, but you also have to realize in order to get your film out into the world, you have to put some money into that. So. I remember one time you told me that you almost have to have the same budget for marketing and distribution as you had for making the film. Is that still true? Well, that's part of the, the quote unquote new 50, 50, you know, that I, that I spoke about that yes. 50% of your resources, which is time and, you know, and money um, should be saved for distribution and marketing. And, and again, that's not a hard and fast rule. Maybe you'll have 30%, maybe you'll have 20%, you know, but, um, but, you know, like on Desolation Center, you know, he's spent some money on distribution and marketing, but it hasn't been, you know, what he, it hasn't been quite what he spent on the film, but he certainly put in a lot of sweat equity into the distribution and marketing of that film. So, um, and, you know, I would say in that film, it's more of like a 30, 70 case or 25, 75, somewhere in there. Um, uh -huh. But it's still a significant factor, you know, and filmmakers need to be prepared for that. So, so um, let's say if you had a, a $500,000 budget for your film, doc or feature, you um, definitely should look at 25, maybe 30% of that budget for marketing mm -hmm. distribution. Yeah. Yeah. So another, you need so, another 150,000. It's helpful. Yes, it is. I mean, you can do a release in the 50 to 75 range for sure, you know, depending on the kind of release that you're trying to do. So, uh -huh. um, you know, and, but you're also going to be doing, you know, you're going to be also guiding that process. So it's, yeah, it can range anywhere from 50 to 300,000, you know, a release budget. It's hard to do it for less than 50, I'll say, you know, do it, do it properly. So. Wow. Well, good. Thank you. Those, we need some numbers like that. Well, now tell us how people can reach you, John. So people can reach me. Um, best way is to go to my website, eight above, where you can either do the number eight and above and or just write out eight above. Both will get you there. Um, and if you go to there's a distribution and marketing page and you can if you have a project, you can there's a form there to fill out. 
Um, if you just want to kind of like, I'll, I, you know, I do emails every couple months and, you know, usually has some pretty good information. You can sign up for my emails and then you can also, you know, like me on my official Facebook page and um, or follow me on the eight above Instagram page. But Facebook's probably the best best way to connect with me and or to follow me on on social media. And um, and yeah, and I usually, you know, I put out a few things every week on social media that are of interest to filmmakers. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's how you can connect with me. Okay, because you did, you had a great Twitter post about four ways a new Justice Department decision may radically reshape movie going. Can you just give us mm-hmm. a brief summary on that? Because I was so pleased to find that. I haven't heard about it. Yeah, it's this think the Justice Department is kind of um, re- revoking what was called the dis- con- consent decree, which basically prohibited studios from buying theaters. It basically was a way to prevent vertical integration of distribution of studios so that the, so Disney wouldn't own, for instance, or any studio wouldn't own the theaters, wouldn't own DVD, wouldn't own VOD, wouldn't own streaming, for instance. But that's been shrinking a lot. I mean, that's been going backwards de facto for many years, um, such that you have Netflix making original content that they control and put out through their distribution channels. But one of the big things was is that studios weren't allowed to own chains. And what that allowed is for there to be more independent programming. And the fear is that with the studios now buying the chains, that those chains will now more be focused on those, that kind of content. Plus, it will also exclude independent theaters from getting that kind of content unless they take all the content, for instance. So it will kind of affect it has the it has the potential of affecting um, the booking choices that independent theaters make, which could severely impact independent film, which would be very sad and, and unfortunate. Wow, well we have to really pay attention to that then. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not good. Uh, the good news is is that Lemley's no longer up for sale, so which is one of the most important independent theater chains in the country, being you know, focused in Los Angeles and they were going up oh. for sale. And just a couple of weeks ago, they said they're not for sale anymore. So cross oh, that's good. on that. Yeah. Yes, because this is what it's all about. We have to keep those independent chains uh, yeah. alive yeah, exactly. and support. Yeah. Well, I sincerely thank so, you. Uh, yeah. Yes. And then, you know, and I encourage your listeners to reach out, you know, fill out, you know, reach out and let me know what their project is. I love working with independent filmmakers and helping them through this process. And, you know, that's why I do what I do. And, you know, um, and thank you for having me on and letting me, you know, communicate with as many people as possible. It's amazing how much information you have on the most important aspect, in my opinion, of filmmaking. It's not how to get your film made anymore. It's getting it seen and getting mm-hmm. some money back. For the, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, five years. As War, uh, Warshawski says, the average doc takes five to six years. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine uh, that, and then not having any money set aside or any plans for distribution. So, yes, they exactly. need to talk to you early on, John. I thank you so yeah. much. Well, thank you, Carol. Okay.
Many okay. Have a good blessings. have a good holiday, Carol. Yeah. Talk to you later. Okay. okay. Thank you so Thank much. You. All right. And bye. All right. Bye. Thanks, Claire. Be well. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Claire. Claire. <laughs> Thank you, John. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.